A scanner is a scanner. A two-way radio is also a scanner. Let's talk about that on this week's podcast. All units stand free. It now appears as though shots are being fired. All officers use caution. It has been confirmed. Suspects are armed and are firing at police. Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and today we are revisiting the idea of using a two-way radio as a scanner with today's guest, David Vine. I always love having David on the podcast, and we've talked to him several times now, most recently on 269, Talking Radio, and also 286 with Frequency Allocations. Um, Might be another one in there, or this might be the third one. But today we're discussing using other radios for scanners, and specifically here, ham radios. So David said after listening to episode number 274 of the podcast, where I talked about the Yesu VX6R, it kind of got him thinking a little bit about using some of his ham radios or amateur radios as a scanner radio or receiver, right? And using that to kind of free up his scanner to do something different or concentrate on a different system or a different public safety frequency or group or something else like that. And just allowing his ham radio to either monitor one frequency or a small sample of conventional frequencies. So I love having David on the podcast, and uh, let's just jump right into it. So let's go ahead and just jump into the conversation that Dave and I had regarding using a amateur radio as a scanner radio. David, it is a pleasure to have you back again. I think now time number three, I think, on the podcast. Yeah, something like that. I, uh, I I so much enjoy talking with you. Yeah. Oh, same, same here. I'm I'm very happy to have you back. And just saying, 304 reminds me of one of my favorite cartoon characters, Peter Puma from Bugs Bunny. And he always used to get the lumps in the head. And he goes, oh, 304. So <laughs> <laughs> I, got, always, I got a magic number of 203. I, that follows me everywhere where I go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> When I used to be on the road doing um, seminars and workshops, uh, I did that for almost 20 years. I would say uh, every fifth, sixth, or seventh hotel or motel that I stayed in, room 203. I grew up in Connecticut, which at the time had only one area code, which was 203. We now live on a street because there are no 204 numbers, no 203 numbers. We live at 204. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's so close. It, it, yeah. I mean, I look at the clock and what does it say in the afternoon? I, I look at it, 203. <laughs> uh, that's funny. It's funny. how some of these numbers just, they just, they do follow you around. So yeah, to me, every time somebody goes, oh, 304, or it just takes me right back to those Peter Puma days, even, even March 4th to me, you know, it's 0304. So everybody's all worried about, you yeah. know, but uh, David, again, I know we 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 came in on a tangent. So <laughs> for anybody who hasn't listened to the 0304 prior podcast that you were on, do a can you do a quick introduction on uh, on who you are? Sure, my name is Vine. 
I live in Aiken, South Carolina. And that's, uh, if you've never heard of Aiken, you're probably not involved with horses. But if you uh, have heard of Aiken, you probably know we're a big equestrian area here. And then we live uh, about 20 miles from, uh, let's say, east of uh, the Augusta National Golf Course, which is over in Augusta, Georgia. So that kind of gives the geography. As far as uh, radio stuff, ever since I was like, old enough to hold a screwdriver and be, and a, disassemble an old tank radio that my father got for us. So sitting on that cold uh, concrete basement floor in, in Connecticut. So that's, uh, that's it. And, and my life has been involved in communications constantly. And I don't mean just radio. I mean, every single form of communications, everything from being a cub reporter at the local newspaper New Haven Register to being a photojournalist for about 10 years uh, and on and on. And then I got into PR, then I got into marketing, management consulting, and then training. And that was right at the time that the National Institute or National Science Foundation, yeah, opened up internet. And I, I had been using online services and things. So I became an internet expert and uh, did workshops and taught a uh, specialty. My, my specialty was investigators, and it was invest internet for investigators. And I did that for 20 years. Hmm, interesting. And then, But now with the radios, you're involved with all sorts of things, such as amateur radio, and you do seminars and, and workshops and presentations and all yes, that fun I stuff. Yes, I do a so, variety yeah. of those yep. things. But, yep. uh, you know, what we're talking about tonight is the amateur radio. I think we ought to confine ourselves basically to the handheld stuff, you know, okay. because mm -hmm. the handheld radios seem to be the ones with the wide coverage receive capability. And right now I'm staring at a list of three radios that are amateur radios that I own. One is Anytone. UV878 2 plus. The next two are, or the next one is ICOM 705. And for those who uh, aren't aware of that, that is a very nice radio because it's about the size of a brick. And I mean that. And it's probably weighs slightly more than a brick, but I mean, like a brick that you would use in a, you know, in making a building. Mm -hmm. And uh, that has a coverage range of, Let's see, three kilohertz all the way up to, or is it 30? I don't know. It's real low, very, very low, probably 30 kilohertz up to 199. And then there's a, a gap. And then they have, oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. Four, 400 to 470. So that's that's the IC705, 5-watt output, all-band amateur radio up to uh, 70 uh, centimeters transmit. Now, the Kenwood THD74 that I have has two basic bands on it. Band A is pretty much for just the amateur radio 2 meters and 80, uh, 70 centimeter bands. However, oh, it also does the, uh, what is it? What's the one in between? Oh, 220, 220 mm -hmm. megahertz. Yeah. So it, it's a tri-bander. But the receive is from 100 kilohertz 
all the way up to 524 megahertz. Now that's receive. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so my question to you is how good are those for scanning purposes? So this is one of those issues where you have to look at what you're buying and what you're buying it for and what it's actually made for and then how we adapt to make it work for scanning. So we can even group in the Unication pager into the same scenario here, right? It's it's a receiver made to do a certain function, but as scanner radio users, we've come to terms with how that radio works and how we can adapt it to what we want it to do. So when it comes Dude, to excuse me for a minute, let me yes. let me let me interrupt you just for a second. Does that actually receive continuous voice? In other words, if we if someone set that to no tones, would that receive mm-hmm. continuously and then be squelched in between? It would, yeah. So it's carrier operated squelch if you don't set a PL or DPL code on that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so really, it's a it's really a, a pager, but. <laughs> you know, it, it can be configured so that it does work as a, a scanner or receiver with, within its own limitations. But not, it, it's, I'm just using it as an example because a lot of people can relate because they have them and they can relate on how, okay, this is a fire pager, but I'm using it to monitor my local trunk system or I have it operating on a couple of conventional channels. But the same holds true, right? When it comes to looking at the TH was seven. 70, what, what is it? D74, 74, Delta, 74. Delta 74, yeah. Yep. And even the other, you know, the any tones and whatnot, right? You have to look at the way that that radio is built. So it's not built for a scanner and it doesn't have the same scan speeds. It doesn't have the ability to yeah. set up banks the same way. Sometimes you're limited to only using one bank at a time, or you can daisy chain two banks together, but only those two banks could be on at the same time. And you can't scan other banks with those other banks. So it's really going to be dependent on the manufacturer and how much you re- you want to get out of it. Like if I, if I have, for example, my, my Anytone radio, the way I have mine set up is I've set up scan lists for it's, defined purpose, right? To to scan through the amateur radio bands, set repeaters, DMR talk groups, that kind of thing. But I've also set up groups for business band. So I've got my red dot, blue dot, silver dot, whatever they are, right? And then the FRS channels and the MERS channels and all that into a scan list. And I've set up my GMRS scan lists and my NOAA radio scan lists and my marine scan lists. But knowing that it could take me quite a while to go from the beginning of the GMRS plan to the top end of the GMRS plan and back down again. So, like a couple of seconds. Yeah, it's not exactly lightning fast. They, 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 some radios are faster than others. Like your Baofeng radio is going to take you quite a while to go through all 120. Oh channels. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it is just it is slow. That's just no other way of saying it. That it is just it is slow. But for thirty dollars, right? You don't get any banks. You don't have the ability to lock anything out without using a computer. But again, you're you're realizing, yeah, okay, true. it's a $30 radio. Yes, I can scan from whatever frequency you can start from to you can end to, and it does let me monitor these these channels. It's not its purpose at birth, but yeah. we can train that, you know, that animal to do what it is. You know, we we could we could teach it tricks 
in order to get yeah, there. Or I think if the you just wanted true. to receive if you just wanted to receive one frequency, mm-hmm. you just had a local fire department and you were interested in knowing where they're going. But right. uh, let me ask you this. Those radios have that kind of wide range, well, relatively wide range. I mean, there are some amateur radio handheld transceivers that that are just, that's it. They just transmit and receive. I think nowadays they're probably giving you extra receive range uh, on either end. But here's my question to you. If there is a police department that's using Moto Turbo or whatever the DMR equivalent is on, say, Motorola or some other brand, they're they're using DMR, mm-hmm. would you be able to pick that up if it wasn't trunked? In theory? You yeah. should not have any problem because as long as it's running as a conventional channel mm-hmm. and you're using DMR, the same would hold true as programming it conventionally into your scanner. So you can put it in with the time slot. You can put it in with the talk group ID or you can put it in a scan mode with both time slots in there if you need to put the time slot in in order to program your radio. And then you put a wild card in or, you know, there's other ways of, of setting up that radio, depending on, you know, again, radio specific to which programming needs. Sure. But in theory, you should not have any issues because it's going to act like any other conventional DMR frequency, such as, again, if you have a, I don't think there's an amateur radio that supports P25, but if you did grab another radio that did support P25, you'd be able to monitor that in conventional mode also. And Uh, I just want to backtrack just a second, too, because you were asking me how well some of these amateur radio radios receive out of band and into public safety. Yes. And again, it's very, very specific to the radio. Like, I know there's some radios where only the A side of the radio, right? The first VFO, they call it, because sometimes you have the ability to monitor two frequencies at once on on the scan, on the the hand hand radio. Yes. Ham radio. So like VFO A or the first side of the radio will have a shorter receive window, right? From an upper and a lower. And it may not be as sensitive outside the band. And for whatever reason, the B side of the VFO, that's the one that will go all the way from the bottom to the top of its configurable band and may even be more sensitive on that side of the house. Ah, okay. Interesting. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, they must have some sort of different circuitry in there or, or something else that's going on there that allows it to be a little bit more sensitive and have wider coverage. But again, there's plenty of radios out there too that are just single VFO. I, I think the Yesu, was it FT4XRX something X or what? what is I have yeah, are you talking before. about the VX, VX1R? No, 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 no. There, there's a a really oh. entry level Yesu radio. Oh, that that looks fairly commercial. It's, it's less than a hundred bucks, and it's actually the smaller brother to the FT65R. Oh. And again, it it only has one VFO site on it, but it does have pretty wide range. And well, again, it's it's a pretty rugged radio. So, well, let me let me tell you that 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 episode. I don't know the number of it, but it was a while back. Where you talked about the VX6R, that was absolutely fascinating. In fact, that's probably what got me started thinking about using amateur radios as uh, 
handheld transceiver as a to scan with now right. obviously and you know today things have progressed to trunking and for instance in south carolina we have what's called palmetto 800 maybe mm-hmm. and it's basically everybody's on it that's in government there are a few other systems trunk systems but that's like the 1000 pound gorilla or whatever you want to call it but i'm looking at a book and and just for your reference this is called the handheld radio field guide and it's by andrew cornwall it has about 75 different handhelds in it and it actually starts it, it goes all the way back to the vx1 Hmm. which I think was uh, model year 1997. So that's, uh, what, 26, uh, 26 years It's ago. a while. Yeah, <laughs> now that Yezu V6, VX6R, mm-hmm. that is, a model year is 2005. So that came out then, eh, you know, it's not years new, later. but no. it's... And, and yeah. that's the thing, right, with that VX6R is it's not new, it's... It is a, it's an old dog at this point, but they're still selling it. And why is Yesu still selling a radio that is almost 20 years old at this it's point? A, it is a hot radio. It is. And yeah. you can't get it at all the uh, different, oh no, I, I take that back. I, I have a catalog I downloaded okay. from uh, R&L Electronics. This catalog is, uh, I downloaded just last night, and so it's up to date. And they have the VX6R for $248, it's basically $249, $249. And uh, it's a shame they're, they're not on Amazon because I'd buy it through your Amazon, uh, what do they call that account that you have, the Amazon there's a, it's a, it's not an Amazon affiliate. It's an Am- Amazon associate. That's what they call it. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would buy that through there. In fact, when I get ready, when I get enough nerve up <laughs> and the money to buy it, I want to get the SDS 100 because that would be a lot better than me fooling around with my uh, bear uh, with my unit. What is it? Unit in uh, BCT 15X. Mm. Which yeah. can't do the heavy lifting here in South Carolina. No, I mean, no, no, no. The SCS 100 is going to be a world of difference for you, yeah. even by the way it's programmed. Yep. yep. So do they have sales on those around Christmas time? Normally, I've seen with like additional, like maybe free ground shipping or they'll uh, throw in an extra yeah. antenna or, or something like that. So it's, it's one of those things that's pretty much locked in the pricing from what I've seen. But yeah. There are some Black Friday deals where they do, they do incentivize it with what they can. So yeah. it seems like everybody's locked into the same price. No matter what where you look, you know yeah. that radio is the same price. And even here, like with the ASU VX uh, XR, you're looking at. I'm looking someplace else right now, and it's again two forty nine ninety five where I'm looking. So yeah, it's all the same. You know wherever yep. wherever you are, it's like locked in the locked in on pricing. Yeah. So. But, well, uh, it's it's certainly worth it. I mean, uh, that's not a lot of money. Now, we get back to the Baofengs and the other Chinese mm-hmm. junk that comes in. However, yeah, I mean, uh-huh, the, the, 
there is a benefit to buying those low-end radios, and that is that they can be used on other frequencies beyond the amateur radio band. Mm -hmm. Now, that opens up the whole thing to just what you were saying before. What is the primary purpose of getting the radio? Well, if you get it for, for use as the GMR radio, and they're so cheap, you can get two or three of them. Then you've got a decent little setup where basically you have walkie-talkies. Even some of the the mobile units are are around a hundred dollars. So, mm-hmm. but the point is, you get it primarily as a GMRS radio. And by the way, I I assume that you have the same kind of activity with GMRS up in your area. But it appears as though all kinds of repeaters are going up all over the place and network repeaters where you yes. have like wide coverage. Yes, there's, there's, there are plenty of network repeaters that are going up, which is makes my head scratch. I thought you couldn't network a GMRS repeater, but either the FCC uh, relaxed that or they found a, a, a workaround. But um, it's it's amazing, right? There's, so few frequencies, but there's so many repeaters all stepping on each other for the same the same purpose. And many of them are closed, or some of them are open. But again, and that's that's again why you look at a a hand you know a ham radio, even though it's not type accepted for those frequencies, if properly modified safely, yeah, could be used as a fallback to get you on those frequencies as well. I know a lot of people do that, and again, that's one of the reasons why I modified my VX6R was just so that not only would it go out of band, but so that if I needed to in a pinch, I could use it as a fallback radio if I didn't have a dedicated GMRS radio. Oh, 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 yeah. I mean, uh, well, you know, we we ought to remind those who already know, know this, but those who don't might be surprised to know that the FCC has actual provision in its regulations or rules that say that in a genuine emergency, a genuine emergency, if you have a radio that can transmit on any frequency, you can use it, transmit on any frequency to try to get help. Right. And only to try to get help. That's it. After that. And, yes. and there was a guy in uh, somewhere out where they had a wildfire, probably out west somewhere, where uh, he was fined an enormous amount of money. Fortunately, it's only civil penalties, and they didn't send him to jail. Mm-hmm. But apparently, some firefighting frequencies were he. I, I think he was with Oxcom, by the way. All right, let's take a quick break right here. And as a reminder, anybody who's a Patreon supporter at a three dollar a month level not only gets this podcast episode early, but also gets it without this following break. Everybody else, we'll catch you all in just one second. As a reminder, you can go to scannerschool.com/slash/patreon to help support the podcast. Chances are pretty good that you shop online and buy things online. So whether it's Amazon or eBay or ScannerMaster, maybe you got a new radio and you're going to buy new software from Butel. You can help support the podcast with your online purchases. If you use our support page before buying things online, you can support our show without it costing you a single cent. So before you buy your groceries, your golf balls, your socks, or maybe a new radio, software, or whatever it is. We would love it if you could use our affiliate links before you make that purchase. And this will help support the show at no additional cost to you. Go to scannerschool.com support 
to find out how you can help us out. Thanks again. Do you feel lost when it comes to the scanner hobby? Are you looking for someone to answer your questions? Do you have a new radio and you need help understanding how it works? Or are you working on a big project and need somebody to bounce ideas off of? Do you need a little bit more personal assistance than what you can get from an online community? And are you looking for somebody to dedicate their attention and their time to helping you out when it comes to getting you unstuck with whatever it is that you are struggling with when it comes to the scanner radio hobby? I'm here to do just that. See, you can book me for a session right now where I'll sit on Zoom and do a video or a screen share with you just as if I am sitting across the table and helping you out. You can book your tutoring session right now by going to scannerschool.com slash tutoring. I can't wait to help you out. Unication's G2 to G5 pages are great additions to your radio collection. Not only can they alert you with two-tone pager activations, but they can also monitor your local P25 simulcast systems that many scanner radios have problems receiving. And of course, many of our scanner school listeners are happily using their Unication pagers to scan their local trunk systems. How do I know? Because they've reached out to tell me. My company, East Coast Pagers, is an authorized Unication, Swiss phone, and Apollo pager dealer. We not only support departments and agencies, but also the home hobby user as well. Find us online at eastcoastpagers.com. Like I said earlier, my life has been in communications. I just, now I have had other times when I would have said, oh, my life is, you know, totally involved in aviation. But those days are, uh, have been, are gone since I left Florida because... <laughs> A, it costs an enormous amount of money to fly these days, and B, the weather's not as great up in the north, and specific, and particularly up where you are, and mm-hmm. you know, and north of you. I mean, it, it ices a lot, and there's very cold weather, and all kinds of stuff. But right. uh, anyway, getting back to radios, yeah, I think that VX6R, if you can afford it and get your hands on one, mm-hmm. especially with the mod, so that you could. I guess it wouldn't be legal for use on GMRS, but a nod and a wink. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, nod and a wink on that too, right? So we're not going to sit here and say you can use it on there, but there are people out there that are using their um, repurposed Motorola equipment or other commercial radios on GMRS. Because again, not until really recently were there actually radios that were being manufactured specifically for GMRS. You almost had to get a radio and repurpose it sure. for use on GMRS. So, uh, yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, do what you will type of deal. And again, we talk about this mod, right? The mod on the VX6R. And, and really what the mod is, is um, you go in there and you, you, you desolder a jumper or you, you do something with a surface mount uh, diode in there. And when you re- reset the radio, it opens up the wideband receive on there. And it also opens up the ability to transmit. Maybe it, maybe it comes with the wide bearing. See, I forget which way it works, but gigaparts and I know ham radio outlet, both of them, if you pay them 40, 50 bucks, whatever it is, will actually perform the mod on the radio before they send it out to you. So you don't have to worry about going in there. And, you know, if you're not, if you don't have good uh, soldering skills about ruining this brand new radio, they will, they will go in there and, with their fancy dancy uh, surface mount, uh, was it the heat gun or whatever it is you use to, to desolder a surface mount uh, component? 
they'll take care of it for you. And again, too, I've, I've also heard, I had an experience firsthand that the Balfong radios too, they were kind of getting in trouble because they were so wide open with the transmit yes. that they had to lock them down. But there's also a key sequence too. When you, when you get them from Amazon, you open up the box, you put this key sequence in and when you turn it back on again, it's it's got the full transmit and receive capabilities in it that it, it, it that it once had. So yeah, yeah, there's there's uh, and modifying your radios goes back to almost the early days of oh, ham radio. CB. Where, CB oh, absolutely, too. CB too, right? You used to jump the wires across the uh, the ICs, and all of a sudden it would open up another bank of, of frequencies for you, and you'd be out on the lower limits, the upper limits. You, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff that. Uh, with CB stuff, and again, it's it's amazing just what even in that field. I mean, it's still people are out there taking the same radios, right? The old Cobra twenty nines or the forty eights or the one forty eights, and you know those radios are still around, and uh, they're still doing the same kind of mods to them. It's you amazing. Know, I how, uh, I actually have uh, it's sitting in the closet. I'm in my office, and I have a storage closet, and it's sitting in there on a shelf in a bookcase, and yeah, I I didn't know that. We'll have to talk offline about what we can do with that. <laughs> I know but very anyway. little. I know very little about what you can do with well, CBs. I you know it's you know that that's another thing about amateur radio that the in fact it may even be part of the mandate in a roundabout way, the FCC's mandate for amateur radio service experimentation. That's definitely a word that's in that mandate somewhere, mm-hmm. but. Regarding experimentation, as an amateur, as a licensed amateur radio operator, and I only have to have a technician license. You know, you're an extra. Oh no, wait, you're in general. What? General, I am too. We can legally take that radio and do a mod to it of any sort and use it on a 10 meter amateur radio. Mm-hmm. So that is totally legal. In fact, it's almost part of that experimentation mandate kind of thing. That's not really experimentation because I, I doubt that it's been done less than a hundred thousand times, but you know what I mean? So right, but for you, it's, it's a learning experience, right? You go in there, you experiment with your skills, exactly. you tinker with the radio, you get to work. And again, that's all in there too, because how many people go out there and they, they build their own radios, right? It's this homebrew thing. So you can't possibly FCC type accept something that you've put together in your basement using LC circuits and a tube and you've recreated something from the 1920s and 1940s. I know somebody that actually does that. They they find the old QST articles that shows you how to build a radio. And uh, he, he goes in there and he he pretty correctly uh, you know builds builds the radios as, as close to 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 what he can. Yeah. And that's all part of the experimentation. So, but before we wrap up, David, I want to do go back to what we were talking about earlier with with the handheld radios or the or the um, the base radios and all sure. that other stuff too that can go out of band and i want to touch on the fact too that here in new york we have the vehicle traffic law and it's debated heavily locally with the scanner radio users specifically right on what they have to do in order to have a scanner radio in a car because it does say in there right that that you can have a radio that is capable of receiving the public safety band again i'm paraphrasing here with the exception of basically amateur radio gear, right? So people read that as saying, well, if I have my ham radio license, then I can have a scanner in the car. And to them, that's the way they read the law. And the way I read the law is differently. Whereas if you have a ham radio in the car, 
that's capable of going out of band. That's legal in New York State because it's not a scanner. It's a ham radio that's capable of going out of band. Because again, if you have a ham radio that stops at 148 megahertz or 499.975, right beyond there is public safety. So any radio that's going to extend its receive is going to be right there in that public safety band. Well, you don't even have to do that because if your intent is to have something that you can reach somebody in an emergency, mm-hmm. but you want to also, you know, maybe you want to, re- it's basically a receiver for you. They, your, your non-amateur radio listeners should know that if in an emergency, almost certainly there's going to be a lot of hams on various nets where they check in, they help out, they pass messages. Mars, which is the military affiliate radio system, has uh, it's affiliated with the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force. Everybody during an emergency gets involved in amateur radio emergency communications. So mm-hmm. you would, you'd be much easier. It would be much easier to get in touch in an emergency with an amateur radio operator, even though you don't have an amateur radio license. But again, it's got to be a genuine emergency. You got to be needing help. And even if it's a routine, like somebody slipped in the bathtub and your phone doesn't work for some reason. Right. Mm-hmm. But in any case, I just thought I'd throw that out. Right. Right. So, but, uh, but again, it's, it's one of those deals that yes, to go back to where we were at the beginning, you can take a handheld radio, you can listen to it out of band, but again, you got to remember that you're looking at a ham held, I keep saying ham held radio, <laughs> a ham radio, an amateur radio that's either handheld or mobile desktop use that was primarily made to go through a handful of frequencies to scan through. I mean, here yes. in New York, you can put in a hundred frequencies and it's not even every single UHF repeater. I mean, the landscape here is basically there's, you're not going to get a repeater on the air on UHF, VHF all day long, but because of all the surplus of all the commercial gear that's out there for UHF, UHF here is extremely crowded. But what I'm saying is you can slowly scan the yeah. amateur radio UHF band and again, take that same radio. And if you're working with the limitations of knowing the fact that, okay, I can only scan maybe one bank at a time, or I can only monitor slowly through these frequencies, or they've got to be on this VFO only, or I can't lock things out, or I can't do this. Or again, one of the things we didn't realize too is the alpha tagging on a lot of amateur radios are tied to six characters on the alpha tag yes, because yes. a typical call sign is at maximum six characters long, yeah. right? Two by three with a numerical digit in the middle gives you your six-digit six, six digit well, alpha tag. I think really if you're going to use it as a receiver and you own a scanner, it's probably the configuration would probably be, okay, there's one active frequency and I'm going to put this trans handheld transceiver I'm going to monitor that one frequency on the handheld transceiver. Then I'm going to scan all the other channels and I'll have mm-hmm. less, less of a chance of missing one call on the scanner because the busy channel is only on the dedicated receiver. 
Absolutely. And that's that's exactly one of those situations where I say go Baofeng all day long. As much grief as, as I give them, the ability to park them on one or two channels. I mean, if they got to scan two or three channels or, or three or four, right, to go back to the beginning, it's it's one of those deals that is great for 30 bucks. Let it free up what your scanner is doing so you don't miss conversations elsewhere. And if you have to have 0304 Baofeng radios or 203 Baofeng radios hanging around, to do that purpose and just sit there and park on a frequency that's busy, that is analog, of course, within the parameters of the radio that we keep, you know, echoing here. That's great. I mean, and again, let the workhorse do the heavy lifting. Let me ask you a question that's allied to that. I know we're, we're getting short on time, but okay. So let's say you just decide to go out and get three handheld radios and you want to program one frequency in each one of those to receive only is there a good way to deal with the audio i mean those little speakers and you know 300 milliwatts of amplifier capability or whatever it is it's not good so it might be okay but you know if you're going to really want to sit and listen to something over time how would you set up audio for three handheld radios monitoring three single frequencies but different frequencies different services that kind of thing yeah this is something that i have been waiting to talk about until i can get up on a video <laughs> because i am sitting with a device right here that would really help that out if you could bring it into your computer you could obviously use your computer speakers if you had you know external speakers or a good set of speakers and use a a mixer, so to speak, that would allow you to bring in those three radios into a soundboard, basically, and then oh. bring them out to a set of speakers that you could adjust independently the volume of the output of each radio. And you could be able to fine tune it that way. You can pan left, pan right, so that you can have and put one radio in the middle so that you can tell which radio is the one that you're receiving from also. And that would be a great way to actually have better speakers and fidelity off of one of these little tiny radios and with the ability to record from each channel coming in. So you can go back and play something else that, that you wanted to hear. That's that's something you can easily do. You know, I used to have a Behringer when I, I was doing mm -hmm. a radio program many, many years ago. And I had a Behringer, uh, what was it, a... Um, I don't know, but it was it was a Behringer mixer, and even today, the prices on those things are very, very reasonable. So you know, don't think it's thousands of dollars. It's more like under a hundred for the the low end ones that are. When I say low end, I mean the ones that aren't giant and have all kinds of effects and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you could probably get a good one for somewhere between fifty and seventy five dollars. So. Yeah, I'm not sure the price on those, but I do know if you look at Radio Reference, there are other people out there that are building these enormous shacks, like like Rich from uh, the Scanner Guys. You know, he's he's that's what he uses too. He 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 has his radios routed into a device like that, and he's able to uh, manage the audio on all his radios by using a uh, a mixer like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so they would all come out, but on one uh, speaker channel or what, to left and a right channel. You'll be able to do yeah, left or right channel, or you can you can fade them in so it's oh. it's you know hard left, medium left, center. You know, what I, I mean? got so, you. Yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. Yep. 
Yeah. But then again, now you got your thirty dollar radio into a you know a couple a hundred dollar device going into now a pair of speakers and not a thirty dollar radio anymore. <laughs> so, what should we do as a wrap up here? I don't know. Leave it up to you. What do you What do you want to wrap up with? Well, I would urge people to go out and get a technician class amateur radio license. These days, there are a lot of uh, organizations that are using amateur radio and not for solely for amateur radio purposes. In other words, a lot of churches, a lot of groups, they say, hey, like, for instance, the Baptists down here, there is a very large contingent of amateur radio operators that do emergency communications, but it's all within the the Baptist church. Or Hmm. there's another one that the Salvation Army has, and their name is Saturn, Salvation Army Team Amateur Radio or something like that. So Everybody's got an acronym. (laughs) <laughs> I, I would I would urge your your just your pure scanner listeners to consider getting an amateur radio license and maybe getting a handheld amateur radio. Well, it, as a technician, you'd be legally able to you know participate yeah. in things, including the digital, which is fascinating. You could talk oh, all great. over the world with a handheld radio. Yeah, in fact, you don't even need a handheld radio. You can just get a something like a. a it's not an SDR radio, but it's a a stick. They call it. I don't know. I have oh, one like called a, like a yeah yeah like a lime SDR or um, no 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 no. My no? mine is no. It's ninety nine dollars. Mine is a uh, well. It's uh, it's gone up after the COVID thing. But no, I have a thumb DV and I use oh, okay. blue, free blue DV software. Okay. And yeah, I do that for all my digital groups that I go to. The nets. Nice. nice. Yeah, and like you're saying too, right? You, you can talk around the world now with a handheld radio using DMR. That any tone radio is, I think, two hundred bucks or something like that. And I love mine. Like I said it's it's great. It's it's a little bit of a, a hassle to program, but once you get your uh, your mind wrapped around how it works, I use that radio all the time. It's it's almost one of my go tos because of uh, just how well it's it's set up for me. And uh, again, DMR, you can you can get on a, on a talk group, a worldwide talk group, a local talk group. You can check into a disaster talk group. You can just monitor what you have. If you have a hotspot out there. And again, you can even use it if you have conventional DMR nearby. You can just use that same AnyTone radio to monitor that without paying for a scanner for a couple hundred bucks. That will do that because, again, the the, ACE, uh, the, the, the Uniden radios that are supposed to be coming out soon haven't come out yet. So... And those are the two ways to do NXTN and DMR. So one one other quick thing: your uh, broadcastify capabilities. Uh, you can listen to amateur radio DMR repeaters using the broadcastify online radio receivers or right. whatever or whatever they're called. You can go on to Brandmeister. Ah, yes, Hoseline. Yep. And you can just click on the talk group you want to monitor and you can monitor that way as well. Yeah. So if you're not sure if you want to get involved in amateur radio, check it out. You know, that's one way to check some of it out. But Mm -hmm. believe me, when you get involved in amateur radio and I, 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 you know, I'm urging your people who are interested. I mean, a lot of them just don't care and they they, they go about their daily business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they may be into basketball and they don't have time for anything else. But (laughs) what I'm getting at is, 
it is a it is a group of people, uh, not so many women and kids, but we're trying to get more women and kids involved. But you get into a group that's really supportive, friendly, helpful, etc. If you find the right club, I mean, not all. Right. I mean, there is a few here and there that are. You know, like, oh, this is the way we do it. We've been doing it this way for 50 years, you know. So you want to avoid that kind of club. But most of them are very, very welcoming and friendly and and helpful. And yeah, and helpful. And again, if you need help putting your antenna up or something with coax or how you configure something or, you know, you need that special tool to crimp something, somebody in a radio club has definitely got that or will help you or will bring a crew over. Sometimes just for coffee and donuts, we'll put that antenna up for you. Well, so, it's it's not even coffee and donuts. I mean, they yeah. do it because you're friend. They're friends of exactly. yours. And, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right, David. Well, again, it's always uh, I'm going to let you go to it because I know you have your amateur on that. Now you want to check in for this evening, so I won't hold you from doing that. But again, I, I I love having you on the on the program. It's it's one of these deals that we start somewhere and we just let the conversation take us to where it's going to go, and then. Uh, it's sometimes we have the agenda, but even there, you know, it's, it's, it's just great to talk radio with somebody. And I really do enjoy having you on the podcast. Likewise. Excellent. So, you know, the drill, right? You know, the door is always open. So next time you want to come on, you just let me know. Sure. And we'll, we'll be more than happy to have you on. And I think at that point you might start setting records. So. <laughs> great. Well, I enjoy it. And it, you know, if I, yeah, I enjoy it a lot. And when I come up with a good topic, I'll, I'll send you an email about it. Anyway, have a good health and a happy life to you. David, thank you very much. And again, we will certainly be talking again in the very near future. Thanks again for coming on the podcast today. And you're welcome. And thank you. I enjoy your show a lot. Okay, appreciate it. Hey, David, thanks again for being a part of the Scanner community and taking the time to come on to the podcast yet again. And again, you always come prepared and I love having you on here. And also, I'm hoping that once I get back onto YouTube, that you will be more than willing to come back on and give some of your presentations that you've done for your local amateur club and share those with us here at Scanner School. You and I have gone through some of the presentations that you have in your repertoire, and I think that many of them here will would be beneficial to some of the listeners here on the podcast. But again, you got plenty of slides, plenty of pictures, and plenty of stuff to go through. So again. That would be great once we get back onto YouTube, which I'm hoping is really, really soon. Now, if anybody else wants to be on the podcast as a guest, as you can tell with David and I speaking here, it's just a conversation, right? No reason to be nervous or afraid or anything else like that. It's a great way to just talk about radio, talk about scanner radios and uh, share your experiences or something it is that you know or you enjoy doing. And I would love to have you on as a guest and have a conversation with us. Scannerschool.com slash guest. Before we wrap up this week's podcast, I want to take a minute here to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Heron, Bill Kay, Bob Robs, Bob Middleton, Brandon Sammons, Brian Arsenal, Chris Paris, Classic Hank, Craig Harper, Dan, Daniel Chiavolella, Dave Pasco, David, David C., David Kuzneski, David Robertson, Danny Crotty, Ed Walsh, Glenn Davos, Greg Johnson, I Hate Junk Mail, Jack Haycock, Jacques Berry, Jake Jacobson, James Felling, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff Waldrop, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, John Kordoff, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Derby, John Goldenberg, John 
Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R., Luke Hartnett, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Michael Meadows, Mike Lopez, Mike Piltz, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Bowling, Paul Teal, Randy Young, Raymond Hill, Rich Palmieri, Ronnie Box, Scott Lefgrand, Thomas Giampino, Todd Glendie, and William Arcand. Find out more about Patreon and our support tiers by visiting scannerschool.com slash Patreon. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again next week. 73.